Hi, this is Imarian X, and welcome to The Candid Frame. The nude has been a subject for photography ever since the technology was created that allowed you to permanently fix a image onto a piece of paper or, or glass. And it's always been associated with a little bit of controversy. And even now, we have images of the nudes all over the place. Naked people are appearing on our television sets, on movie theaters, in magazines. And you would think that after a while, we would sort of become sort of numb to it. But the image of the nude human figure is just loaded with a, a, a lot of things. So when a photographer decides to pick up a camera and decides to focus on the nude figure, particularly the nude figure of a woman, there are a lot of questions that are going to be asked. And um, our today's guest has been taking on a project called The New Project, which is a series of portraits of primarily nude women in their homes. And one of the things that I liked about this picture was that these weren't the kind of nude pictures that you often see when people see themselves as photographing the nude. They're, those images tend to be very stylized, black and white, formally posed, very well-crafted and controlled images. And these images of these women are just very natural photographs of people in their space, in their homes, in their apartments, but they're naked. And there's a certain level of vulnerability that comes across in those images, but also a sort of openness. When I look at those pictures, there's a less of a tendency to be able to objectify the person because of the way they're looking back at you in the frame. You actually get to recognize those people as people and not just something to be objectified. And this ongoing project, uh, which came to my attention after an article that was written in the Huffington Post, I thought it would be a great opportunity to bring the photographer Matt Blum on the show to discuss not only the process, but some of the pushback he may have gotten as a result of creating this work and putting it out there. And uh, I really enjoyed the conversation, and I, and I really loved the images. But I think it provides a really good point of conversation, whether or not you are interested in photographing nudes or not, uh, a lot of us photograph people. And I think that this conversation provides some real important insights into some of the things that we as photographers should consider when trying to make really honest photographs of our subjects. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Matt Blum. This episode of The Candid Frame is brought to you by Squarespace. Now, the people at Squarespace have created this very intuitive website platform that allows anyone to easily create professional web pages, blogs, online stores, and galleries all in a single platform. Simply start with one of Squarespace's award-winning designs. Add your images and content, anything you'd like to sell online, then connect your social accounts, and you'll have a website that looks great on every device. All Squarespace accounts come with the award-winning 24-7 support, as well as cloud hosting and real-time analytics, so you can track the traffic to and from your site. If you sign up for a year, they even give you a free domain name. Now, whether you're a creative professional, a business owner, or a blogger, Squarespace makes it easy to bring your ideas to life. So start your website for free today at squarespace.com forward slash candidframe. 
And it's really easy because Squarespace has an award-winning design team and user experience experts who've created a whole new set of sophisticated design templates that reflect modern web styles while using highly intuitive navigation. Each template has hundreds of customization options available to change grid layouts, colors, over 300 fonts and more. So these websites, even though they're based on a template, can look really unique to you and your photography. If you want to get a sense of how good a website can look, visit the website for Zanita Morgan at ZanitaMorgan.com, who uses the Squarespace templates to create her websites. I think that you'll agree that the large display of the images and the easy navigation really makes it a great place to showcase their work. And now you can do so as well. For a free trial, go to squarespace.com forward slash candid frame and sign up for a free account. No credit card is required. Just, just try it out and start building your website today. Then if you decide to purchase it, use the offer code CANDIDFRAME3 and get 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, including monthly and annual plans. That's squarespace.com and use the offer code CANDIDFRAME3. Everything you need to create an exceptional website. Well, Matt, welcome to The Candid Frame. I'm glad to hear that you're feeling a lot better. Thank you very much. I saw your uh, project online a, a couple of weeks ago. I was really excited about having the opportunity to talk to you about it. Um, rather than me sort of explaining what it is, uh, why don't you tell our listeners who haven't had a chance to look at the site or see any images what this what the new project is? Well, the new project started about seven years ago. It really started just because I wanted to start shooting nudes, and um, most of the work that was out there was sort of very much like photographer-driven work where the seemed like the goal was to make the best possible photographs. So there was sort of that art model that you would get and then like the really crazy, beautiful lighting and then these high contrast black and whites or kind of just, you know, it was all about like removing, what I saw is removing a lot of the personality from it. So I started shooting and I would just, instead of finding models, I would just kind of ask go out on Craigslist or ask Facebook and Twitter for referrals and, and just, you know, say, hey, if, if you'd like to be photographed, just contact me and we'll do it. And, of course, people would send photographs and people would send, you know, their, my, at that time, their MySpace profile page and, and all this stuff. And, and I found that the, the more, if people sent photographs, I was more likely to not really want to work with them. So I just began shooting without really a concept of the project and slowly the images took on their own personality of just representing like your neighbor, your sister, your family, your friends, just all these people that looked like the women that everybody knows, not like supermodels, but at the same time, uh, they looked really beautiful. And that was kind of where the project was, was born out of, I guess. Well, you're, you're primarily a, a wedding and portrait photographer, uh, yeah. which normally doesn't include any nudes. Usually so, not. <laughs> but so, so why the interest in, in, in the nude? Because like you said, it's, it's a genre unto itself and it has, you know, certain sort of expectations in terms of what, what it is. Why was it that that was a draw for you? Because, you know, a lot of people who shoot people oftentimes will find something that doesn't involve people at all to photograph as a, right. as a diversion from what they usually do. So right. what was it about photographing the nude that captivated you so much? Well, for me, honestly, it was that my sort of my greatest joy in photographing anything is that that 
personality, that expression, that life that you can get out of somebody when you're photographing them. And I think that my desire was to, to sort of carry that same philosophy over to my, my nude stuff and to treat it more like portraits. Even though it's you know, similar in terms of its feel to our regular portrait work, at least I think it is, mm-hmm. it was just a way that I could you know, do something a little bit different, do something that I felt drawn to. I mean, I guess I was just a little bit tired of seeing like the same, you know, you, you go to a, a grocery store and you're checking out and they've got the latest like Maxim magazine or the latest Cosmo. And you swear to God, it's just the same magazine as last month. I mean, it's, it's literally, it's the same sort of people. It's the same articles. It's the same everything. And most of it is just sort of fluff and nonsense. And, and I realized that, you know, those magazines are, are sold for entertainment. They're not sold to represent real life. And that's, that's why they exist. But at the same time, I was like, what kind of thing are we doing here where you can't, it's so hard to access good photography that represents, you know, the bodies of real people, especially women. And I, and I was like, well, hey, I, I can do that because my, my work is working with people who aren't models and making them look good. I mean, that's what we do when we shoot weddings. Mm-hmm. You know, we have actually shot a couple models, but that's besides the point. Just the fact that they got married meant we were working with them. But, but you know, most people are just regular, cool people and we make them look good. So I was thinking, well, you know, if, if there's this whole thing that I'd like to see out there, this return to like more of the classic photographer's view of like of, of nude work, why not just do it and shoot it like I would shoot a portrait and take the emphasis actually off the body stuff and just let that be out there, but still focus on the people and the expressions and, 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 and all that. Tell me about some of those early shoots, because even though you had a lot of experience underneath your belt, you're asking someone to be even more of them vulnerable than they usually are in front of a camera. Everyone sort of feels a little awkward and uncomfortable when a lens is pointed at them. Right. Introduce the element of being completely naked and it creates a, it can create a completely different dynamic between you and your subjects. So how did you sort of have to adapt in terms of how you approach them in order to make them feel comfortable enough that they could appear natural and not stiff and, and forced in front of the lens? Yeah, I didn't change a thing, actually. The way you approach, I think, any shoot, no matter what someone's wearing, is with a certain amount of transparency and sincerity and honesty. And if you, you know, if you are, if you're, you know, quick to make fun of yourself, if you're quick to just kind of laugh or, you know, let people know that they look good and that the shoot's going great and they have nothing to worry about and whatever else, you're probably going to make it a little bit easier for your subject to loosen up. And that I'm not sure that that is any different no matter what you're shooting. The only thing is, I think, when someone's not wearing any clothes, they might be a little bit more like hyper-aware of anything that you say that's not quite right. Mm-hmm. Whereas like a portrait session might not completely derail if you say one stupid thing. I think the only difference with shooting somebody nude, especially someone that's not used to being photographed, is you just have to be very not creepy. If you just treat it like it's a regular portrait shoot, like you would treat anybody where you're making them feel special, you're making them feel beautiful, and you're maintaining a level of professionalism that you would with anybody, I think it's, it, you know, people are at ease 
when they sense that you have, you know, good intentions, that you're representing them well, and then they trust you, and then they let, let their personality out. Um, I just think maybe the stakes are a little bit higher when the subject matter is nude shoots, and if you, you know, if, if your personality is to, like, make jokes or, like, be a little inappropriate or something, um, it might work with one kind of photography, but then when you get into this, it might kind of go against you because people, are, I think, are just a little bit more tuned in because they know there's, you know, a, a male photographer that wants to shoot nudes. Mm-hmm. Like, this, that pretty much describes every male photographer in the history of photography. <laughs> so there is a little bit of that, like, you know, is this person really called to this? Do they really, do they really feel like they need to say something or do they, are they just wanting to see me naked? I think that's where it becomes even more important to be just very, very, you know, honest and forward and transparent with your subjects so that they they really feel like they're getting the real version of you. You're speaking honestly about what what you want to do, why you're doing this, and you're and you're giving them good feedback and, and, and building them up during the session. I think those things will make it so that people are comfortable and, and then they start to relax a little bit and, and let their personality out. Your uh, initial forays into it elicited a response from your wife saying that she thought it would be a good idea to make the images a little more lighthearted. Yeah. Uh, c- can you describe what those early images are, or, were, were like and what she was observing and, and what you did in order to sort of change the feel of, of the portraits from then? Absolutely. So when I first started shooting, the one thing I was very sensitive to is I didn't want anything to seem cheesy. And I, I, I didn't want it to be... The kind of project where it, you know, it was like all these people like being goofy and then it, the work took on kind of a feel of being like lowbrow. I, I don't know. I was, I was just preoccupied with the idea that, that it needed to be artistic and beautiful. And, and my way of doing that was to sort of make sure no one was smiling ever, you know, just sort of like treat it as this like artistic endeavor. So when I would shoot, uh, I, I would almost actually say to the people, like, you know, we're going to, it's going to be casual, but, you know, probably for a majority of the images, don't smile because it's nude photography. So this is, you know, kind of how it should, how it should come out. Um, at the same time, that's not at all my personality. So we would, we would shoot and we would get these other images just because I would keep shooting, but I would never use them. And then at some point, my wife Katie, I think maybe in around 2008, started editing the project. And I noticed that more and more of those images were making it into the project. And there were more women smiling. There were more things that were a little goofier, a little, a little more lighthearted. And from there, I think the project really started to change. And it started to be a little bit more representative of the personalities of the women in the project, not just you know, as this, this thing that was like super artsy and whatever. And, and that's where I think we really kind of figured out what the project meant and what the images, what we wanted the images to say. With your wife's collaboration with it, she's sort of like, the, I guess, the curator or the, the, the editor. Exactly how does she fit into the, into the project? Right. So what basically what happens is I go out and do a shoot and then bring everything back she sits down, looks at everything, and, and sort of calls all the images. We deliver more images to the models than we publish on the site. So we'll usually deliver maybe 10 to 15 images to the models as a thank you for participating. From there, we maybe take three or four, and they go to our site. 
And then I use a couple for my Tumblr or just like for my personal blog, that kind of stuff. Um, so her, her vision really determines kind of what ends up where because I don't even really see the full set of photos. When we started out, I tried to kind of like edit over her shoulder and mm-hmm. it just she did so much better than I did uh, every time that I finally just was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to trust her because she's clearly proven that she's better, better at editing than I am. So just going to let it go. And, and that's kind of how the project has come to be the way it is today. What was your observation in terms of what she was picking up on that, that, that work that you weren't picking up on? Were you looking at it in terms of maybe composition and lighting? And then she was looking at more, uh, in a more subjective way, the contents of the images. Can you sort of, do you have an, uh, can you identify exactly what it was that she was bringing to the table in terms of how she was looking at the photographs? There are certain times when I know, and then there are other times when it's like that X factor of like when you just look at a portfolio and you're like, I don't understand why they decided that, you know, that that picture of a phone booth was going to fit next to all of these, you know, uh, people in like mime outfits, but it just seems to work. <laughs> um, it's sort of that, that editor's eye. And, and I always, I've told her forever, I always have thought that she was a better artist than I am in terms of her ability to just pick up on like the really subtle things about art. You know, so sometimes I'll look at something and the first time I see the edit, I'll be like, why did she pick that one? Like, I know there's this other image that I think is stronger. And I look at the other image and I'm like, well, it might be technically stronger, but there's something about it that just isn't as good as this Mm -hmm. other one. And I don't know what that is. Like, I think that's just the talent of people that see things a certain way that will pick a blurry, like, mistake image over the one that you think is good because the blurry one just has more emotion to it, you know? There's just, it's really hard to quantify, but you just see it and you know that it's, it, it is, it's right. Yeah. What kind of dialogue have you guys had on, on this whole topic of body image? Not, you know, if it's not too personal, not, not just your own respective body images, but... You know, you have a child that you're raising, and obviously it's, it becomes an, uh, an important point, uh, whether it's a boy or a girl, to, to be able to combat the almost unrelenting wave of what a perfect person is supposed to look like. Has this project really provided you both some insights that you've been able to share with each other and, and discuss? The interesting thing about raising a kid now is you, you start to think about Every time you're doing something, like he's old enough where he's starting to repeat words and he's starting to understand like more complex imagery. I'm really sensitive. Like if I'm watching TV or something and just people are getting shot up or something, you know, I, I don't, obviously you don't want them to see that. Same thing with our language. Like I don't, you know, I curse kind of a lot. So I just am, am conscious about that. The beautiful thing about this work is that it's all over the studio. We're going to have a book coming out. He's going to grow up seeing basically naked people. And I'm sure at some point when he's in middle school or something or grade school or whenever, someone's going to say, like, what, what does your dad do for a living? And he's going to be like, well, actually, you know. But my hope is that his exposure to the work that we do is going to mean that when he grows up, he has more respect for women and people in general and that his his view of like what, what women should look like, what a body should be like, all that stuff is going to be much more broad than I think than mine was growing up. 
I mean, I think for most men, you just you, you see the same thing so much, and it it become it, it starts to represent like that's the ideal. Like I don't know what I I don't know if I'm just a jerk or if everybody's like this, but like growing up as a teenager, didn't you sort of wasn't your mindset sort of like, hey, I need to marry the hottest person possible. Like, I just need to see, like, how far can I get, you know, so that I can marry, like, you know, at that time, maybe it's the hottest girl in high school or, or whoever you see to be, like, whatever. You've got a picture of, for me, mm-hmm. in high school, it was Jennifer Aniston on the wall. And I, you know what? I'll still put Jennifer Aniston on the wall. I think she's hot. But just this sort of, like, ideal that that's what you're, you're trying to, like, almost conquer it or something. And I'm hoping that when Simon grows up, seeing all this stuff, he looks at it more as it should be, as actual marriages work, where it's, it's a person's personality, it's a person's sense of humor, it's all these things that sustain you, and you find them attractive. I certainly don't have the perfect body. I don't know anybody that has a perfect body, but like you're still attracted to you know, people, and, and that's the healthy thing versus you know, thinking that you have to hold out for this crazy unattainable supermodel to walk into your life or something. So how do you contend with those people who, despite the fact that you are, you're well-intentioned with the project, see, see it as, well, you're yet another man who's objectifying women to some extent. You may not be as purient as some of the other images out there, but you're still the person. It's another guy who's in control of the camera and is controlling the way women are seen in photographs. Yeah. I I mean, I'm really sensitive to that and I kind of hate that. And I wish that there was, I wish that there was something I could do to like prove that, you know, even though, yes, I am a man, that I'm not trying to objectify, that I'm not trying to take advantage of people or somehow use people for my own gain. I'm sensitive to it. It bothers me. And, you know, as an example, just the other day, I was reading the comments of our Huffington Post article, which at some point, you know, people just, sort of tear into you because I don't know if they think that you can't see it or it's just sort of this anonymous internet space like YouTube comments or something where people just say things that they wouldn't say. But, you know, there are people all over there just saying like, you know, why why is this person even doing this work? These photographs are terrible. I would, you know, I just don't understand why anyone thinks that we need more nude photographs of women. And they basically just kind of like rip you apart. But I don't think there's anything I could ever say or show that would make them feel like there's, you know, there's actually no desire to take advantage of people. We're upfront with everybody that we shoot with. We tell them exactly what we're doing, exactly where we hope the images go, all that stuff. I even got an email after the HuffPo article from a woman that just said like, oh, just great. Like, you think, you know, you think you're a man just because you're trying to represent women. Well, you're just another guy trying to make money off our titties. I'm like, okay, a couple things here. First of all, that's, that's a pretty harsh judgment for someone that didn't ask any questions or offer any constructive criticism, but just wanted to kind of like bash me. Second of all, we've not made a dollar, nor will we probably ever make a dollar because of the cost of this project. We got our hosting bill from Amazon for the last uh, month of stuff, and it was about $725. That's for a month, just, just to serve the images. We also have a hosting bill from the company who we have a server with, because we couldn't just have a regular account because there was too much traffic. 
So in one month, we've made nothing, but we spent $1,000 on hosting. That's, you know, we have a book coming out, but this idea that somehow we're, we're actually like profiting on this or like we're, we're going we're gonna to strike it rich because we've assembled this photography collection is totally off base. If we thought that this wasn't worth doing, if we thought that maybe I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything different and I wasn't you know, necessarily the person to be shooting this, we wouldn't do it because the bills are, are really high and plane tickets to South America are not cheap, hotels are not cheap, and the time that the studio dedicates between Katie and I to editing and producing and publishing this work, I mean, it takes away from our client work. So, you know, we can't be pursuing new client work because we've got this work to do. At the end of all of that, I don't think there's anything else. If someone understands that, there's really nothing else I can say to convince them that it's not what they're saying it is. But it still affects me just the same because no one wants to hear that the project they've dedicated the last seven years to someone thinks is worthless and terrible and not worth doing. Yeah, A good number of the images are taken in the, in the person's homes to create a space where that person is already comfortable for, for the portraits. But can you walk us through in terms of where you decide to pose the subject and, and how you work with them in terms of how they sort of occupy that space? Because, you know, all the images are very different with that respect. And, you know, there's some images with the people lying on the floor, or on a couch, or in a, in, in a bathroom. And they're all very sort of interesting images graphically, because of the way they're occupying that space and how you get to create a link between the, the subject and their environment. But how do you sort of, when you're, when you're with someone, how do you sort of determine how that is exactly going to work for that particular shot? Because you don't feel like all these images are sort of cookie pattern. You feel like each of them is very distinct to the individual. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, it's sort of an exercise in improvising because the same way that I've never seen the models, I've also never seen their spaces. So a lot of times what I like to do is just when I get there, you know, not take the camera out of the bag, not, you know, not like immediately start setting up uh, stuff and bringing out lenses, but just to like talk to people and say like, hey, you know, can I, you mind if I have a glass of water and, and just kind of watch where do they set the glass of water? Where do they sit down? Where do they have me sit down? Just all the things that, that people will normally do will tell you what they normally do. Mm-hmm. Uh, if someone walked into our studio and I said, you know, have a seat and I sat down, like they would be able to tell that I sit in the red chair all the time. Like, I like to be able to, you know, to see the clients that way. I can see the computer screen. They can sit on the couch so that they, they can be next to each other. Like, it just, you can tell what people are used to doing just by allowing them to kind of get comfortable and, and be at home. So that's basically what we do is, you know, there's a certain amount of just finding a space that, that I think is interesting and asking them to kind of like get somewhere, you know, go in front of that window and just kind of, you know, sit on the stool, kick your feet up wherever and see what they do with that. But then a lot of times it's just, you know, lay down on your couch like you would lay down on your couch and then they do. Or, you know, reach up, grab something from the cupboard and, you know, or, or hey, can we make some coffee? You know, just, just like really simple things that make them look like they would normally look if I wasn't there. 
that also is what keeps the work interesting for me. Because if everything was the same and I always knew what I was walking into and it was all controlled, there wouldn't be much reason to keep shooting really because it'd just be sort of repeating the same thing. One of the questions that's been posed to you is why they aren't more, uh, say, people of color in in the collections there. Why is it that, because a lot of these people are volunteers. Right. Everybody's volunteers. So that may explain it, but what do you have? A, do you have any sense in terms of why that why that is? Even though it's it's open to everyone, why you're having, why certain people may be more prone to do this and others are more reluctant to? Do you have any sense of that, or you just you just don't know why? Couple things. One, it's something that we wish wasn't the case. Like we want the project to be as diverse as possible. At the same time. I, I feel like it also kind of freaks me out to talk about it because <laughs> like as a white person, like you just anytime someone asks about like why a thing is having to do with like skin color, I'm just like, oh God, if I <laughs> if I start to talk, I'm gonna say something stupid than everyone. But but honestly, I think it it might have something to do with the fact that we're white. I don't know, you know, you wouldn't see that on the site because we're not on the site. But if someone's really thinking about participating Maybe they do a little bit more research. They go to my personal site. They go to our client site. And then, you know, you can see us. You can see maybe it, it might have something to do with that. Um, I know that in Brazil, we got a lot of feedback about that. Um, also, we live in the Midwest, so it, it, that might have something to do with it. In Brazil, we got a lot of feedback about the project not being inclusive of, like, the there's, like, the European descendants that are brazilian Mm -hmm. and then there's like more of the like african contingent the like sort of indian just like a different look and much much darker skin and we traveled so we went back to brazil and we traveled a lot more and we even specifically said like we're looking for all brazilians of all different skin tones and all different backgrounds and whatever and we went to Salvador, which is the Afro capital of Brazil, where I swear to God, walking down the street, you could walk for a mile and never see anybody that even looks close to white. Mm-hmm. And even there, out of nine sessions, we had one person with dark skin. I, I, don't, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, we're in the right place. You walk down the street and you see these, all these people. Any one of them could have been amazing subjects. But I think the hard part is because we try to plan stuff and we try to make sure that everyone has all the information and all that stuff beforehand, I think it might have something to do with just because of the inequality that exists. The people that I would see walking down the street in Salvador, they don't probably have an internet connection in their homes. And just like simple factors like that, that would mean that they probably would not have heard of the project and therefore Mm -hmm. would not have volunteered for it. You know, we've always said that we don't want to go to the place where we're saying like, hey, if there's any women of color, anybody in a wheelchair, anybody that, you know, doesn't have an arm, could you please contact us? Because it feels disingenuous to the project to like single people out and then try to include them. I just I want people to volunteer. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I almost think that the the only way we're going to get real diversity is if we somehow figure out a way where we, you know, when we're in a place, if we see somebody to take the chance and be like, hey, you know, we're doing this project. 
if you'd like to be in it, we'll be here until this date or, or something like that. Cause it just doesn't seem like it's happening naturally. Yeah. I, I discovered you because of the Huff Post piece and I know you've gotten some other press otherwise. What sort of reaction have you gotten in terms of people who want to participate in the program? That's been phenomenal. I actually, I was actually, uh, had to put together a quick list for, to try to set up a shoot for next week for a local publication in Minneapolis. And I logged on to our Google Doc. And the last time I looked at that Google Doc, there was, I think we had like 4,500 participants. And that was probably like three weeks ago or two weeks ago. And I logged on, I think it was yesterday or the day before, and we had almost 8,000. It's been crazy. Like it's, you know, that's, that's basically like double the amount of participants in two weeks. So I, th- I think as more and more people see it, we're getting like far more inquiries. There's also been some inquiries that have specifically mentioned that they're, they're trans women, which I think is fantastic and should be in the project. And we've, we've had a couple sessions set up, but the people have ended up backing out before the session took place. I think just because maybe they felt like they're a little bit out there and, and weren't ready to go through with it. So I think just the, you know, just reaching a whole bunch of people is probably the best way for us to, to both, you know, make sure we have participants to go shoot in various places, but also to try to reach more diverse women so that, you know, like people have commented, it's not really representative of all ages or all races or all ethnicities or, or, or backgrounds or anything. So you know, we got, we got some work to do, but I think the only way you can get to that is just by reaching as many people as you can. Well, you, you want this, you're going to be producing a book, and as part of that, you created a Kickstarter page Correct. Uh, for this. So tell me about the decision to go that route in terms of creating the funds to be able to complete the project and put together a book that you would, that you would offer. Well, the, I think the beautiful thing about when you're producing a book and, and using Kickstarter for that is really what you're, I mean, you're asking people to support the project, but really you're, you're asking them to pre-order the book. We decided to do that. And well, we didn't want to fund it ourselves because we've got our, our baby now and we're kind of like thinking about, well, you know, what if nobody wants this? I mean, we think they're going to want it, but what if honestly we sell 50 books in the first year and we spent, you know, 30 grand on printing and, and we made, you know, 250 bucks or something. So I realized that's 2500 bucks. Now I look like a math idiot. That's okay. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, so basically we, you know, we decided, well, we'll put it out to Kickstarter. The other nice thing about that is that people feel like there's another level of accountability, I think. Whereas if we ask for pre-orders and we say, hey, just give us your credit card, it maybe doesn't seem quite as legit. But Kickstarter you know, kind of makes sure that you follow through with what you said. And I don't know all the inner workings of how they keep you accountable, but I think people feel like they're not just paying you, but they're paying the service who's going to keep track of you. And if you don't do what you said you're going to do, there's going to be, you know, consequences, whatever. So we just decided to run it through that. And it's been really, really awesome because it's also given us a platform to, to publish updates about where we are. It's allowed people to comment and interact with us a little bit. And like, even when we sent out the cover design, People, you know, wrote back and said, I love it or I don't love it or whatever. So I think people feel like not only are they supporting us, but they're also involved in the project and they're, they're, they're contributing and, and helping the final result come to be. What impact, if any, is it, is it had in terms of your, 
your your wedding and your and your portrait business or people that you've shot with before getting back to you and, and telling you things or are people discovering you discovering this project and that leading into opportunities elsewhere I think it well it's, I think it's too early I also think we've tried to keep it really separate not because I'm at all embarrassed of either but because I'm very sensitive to the way that when you're shooting nudes, the way that people view you and the way that they view maybe what you're trying to do. And and I always just try to get as far as I can from that place of people thinking that we've started a website to somehow make money off of naked pictures. And so it's actually, I mean, it might be to our, to our disadvantage that we don't have anything about our wedding and portrait photography on the new project site. But basically, to me, then it, it just stays away from that place of like people, you know, seeing it and being like, oh, so I see they want us to pay for photography if we need it. You know, they just want us to get here via this site or anything that could be seen as like, you know, we're, we're trying to like, sell something that isn't this or I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, so far it hasn't really led to anything, but honestly, I think that's okay. I, I think if anything, my hope is that someday it leads to a magazine calling us up and saying like, Hey, you know, we, we're going to do some stuff that doesn't have models and you seem like you're good to shoot with people like that. Or, you know, because really th- there's, there's nothing different between this work and normal work. I mean, if you could just have everybody wear clothes and, and the portraits would still be, still be beautiful. So to me, like, that's what we're, that's what we're really doing, like naked or not naked or whatever, but they're, they're still, they're still beautiful portraits. So I think that that has the, the possibility to maybe translate into some other work and, and some other stuff, which would be awesome. we we love that. How many, uh, people have you photographed thus far we're i think we've shot somewhere between 150 and 180 i think we've done 150 sessions but sometimes there are like multiple people that show up for sessions especially in brazil i'd I'd show up and i'd have like budgeted two and a half hours and then like five people would show up (laughs) i'd be like are you all participating and they're like oh yeah of course i'm like oh okay so somewhere between 150 and 180 people uh, have have participated. Do you have a sort of goal in terms of a, a number, or do you feel like this is going to be an ongoing thing? Or yeah, I think it's pretty much one of those lifelong things. I mean, it, it combines three things that we're we're really passionate about, which is travel, photography, and then also that sort of that sense of body positivity. And and I think that that's something that you know wherever we are in the U.S. They're at a little bit different place in Europe. I, I tend to think they're a little more, they're a little ahead of us in Europe. But I think they're a little behind us uh, in South America, maybe a little behind us in Spain. So, you know, they're, they're, you could continue to shoot for your entire life and, you know, not hit every subject and every type of person and, and all that stuff. Whether we'll do it forever, I don't know. But I think you certainly could. You know, I mean, we haven't even started to get into like shooting in Africa, shooting in the Middle East, shooting in Asia. Um, there's, you know, there's so many things that we could do and so many other cultures that, that, that we could explore. I think it's, it's a lifetime's worth of work, basically. And how about photographing men as part of the series? What, what are your ideas with respect to that? Is that going to be part of it? I don't really know. I mean, at the moment, I think I don't... 
for whatever reason, I'm just not as good as working at working with men. I don't know why that is. Back in maybe like 2005, 2006, I had done a bunch of uh, shoots with women and I set a couple up with men. And I, I don't know why, but it, it just didn't, it just didn't have the same feeling in terms of like what the work was saying. And is, you know, I don't, I'm not sure exactly why that is. The closest I think I've been able to nail it down in terms of in my own head is that for men, I'm not sure that like body image is the defining characteristic for most men. I think if you look at, at least just speaking for myself, if I look at like this, like this, the pressure that I feel as a man from society, it's to have a good job, make a lot of money and provide for a family. I don't know that I've ever felt a tremendous amount of pressure to be like a men's health model. Whereas I'm, I, I, again, I'm not a woman, but from what people have told me, they grow up agonizing. A lot of people grow up agonizing over what they look like and what their body type is and, you know, what they have physically. And I just, you know, for me, I was a little chubby when I was a kid and I wasn't super happy about that, but it didn't, it didn't define my everyday thoughts. So I don't, I think that's kind of why I've, so far left this to mainly women there are a couple couple there are a few couples on the site Mm -hmm. but i'm not totally sure where that fits yet it's just we were there shooting and their husbands were there and they were like yeah you know can i be in the photographs and i was like of course you could be in the photographs i'm not sure where that fits in yet though (laughs) we're figuring it out too (laughs) we haven't exactly we haven't exactly nailed this down yet so how is how have the images say evolved over time because you know, whenever you work on a project for any period of time, it, it it changes either in the way that you sort of create the compositions, or or maybe some technical differences. Uh, how do you feel like you've evolved as a photographer as a result of just being dedicated to this project for for such a period of time? I always tell people that you know whatever work we do for our clients, this makes me a better photographer for everything else. The work's gotten a lot better certainly and some of that is is technical stuff like some of that is just it's nice to have cameras that are better at higher isos it's nice to you know have learned how to use like video lights better and that they've made video lights better and more customizable and all that stuff but some of it is just like the core of photography which is i think the way you work with people and the way you allow moments to happen in a somewhat artificial situation. People know you're there and you're not usually there. You're holding a camera. People aren't usually holding a camera. So there is sort of an artificial situation. But I always think like basically the, the only thing that you can do as a photographer is be able to get yourself into situations to photograph interesting things and be able to make people comfortable so that you're bringing something out of them. And I've gotten a lot better at that in the last six years. And I, and I think that's where the photographs have, have really improved. Also, our focus has changed a little bit. Um, one of the galleries on there is all studio stuff because that's where basically that's where I started. And with the studio stuff, usually my, the place I would start would be to think about like the lighting, the backgrounds, you know, if there was any cool like warehouse you know we used to our studio used to be in a warehouse so we'd like go into the basement and kind of explore like the fluorescent lightings and the weird chairs that were down there and all that stuff is great but 
all that stuff is is a lot closer to nude photography for the sake of the photograph. And in the last four years or so, especially since we started moving into people's homes, the focus has really changed where now we're, we're only really interested in the people. And we use the surroundings to the best of my ability and, and you know, we, we want to make it look awesome. But like the main focus is the people. Whereas in the beginning, the focus was still a little bit more on the photographs. Mm. Uh, one last question I want to ask about is, 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 is in terms of posing. None of these come off as, the, as if they're, they're posed. But, you know, initially when you're photographing someone, there's this sort of awkwardness that starts off. And they can just be standing there with their hands at their sides. And, and the question is like, well, what do you want me to do? Right. So how do you sort of engage them to the point where you're not really sort of telling them? Because these pictures don't tell, look like, okay, put your arm here, put your shoulder here. How do you? Because some of the some of the gestures that these people produce are really beautiful. There's a sort of wonderful graphic sense to the images that really allow you to to navigate the frame pretty well. How do you get to that point that you're able to evoke that in in your subject, but have it come off naturally? Basically, I start by just having a conversation. When you're not shooting, people will do what they naturally do. So you see how someone sits, you see where they put their hand, they see, you know, you see all this stuff. Now, it's even if you just start, even if you raise the camera and just start shooting, a lot of times they'll adjust. But if you just say like, hey, you know, you kind of had your hand like this, it looked really natural. Just lean back again and just when I raise the camera, you know, don't change, just kind of hang out. And, you know, usually someone will be like, oh, yeah, like I sit like that all the time. I think they just start to get comfortable with with what they usually do, but obviously that can't you can't do that for the whole shoot. Otherwise, you'd, you'd be there for ten hours. Mm-hmm. So you know, another thing that I do personally is don't ever really pose people so much as you just give ideas, because someone like the photographs look like everybody feels very comfortable doing that. Part of that might be that we don't, I don't really give like specific directions. I give very general things like, you know, someone, I was shooting someone the other day and they were in yoga. And if you, you know, if you're like a hardcore yogi, you probably do a lot of stretching. So I just said, like, we were sitting there and I was like, hey, you know, just stretch a little bit. And she's like, oh, I stretch every day, like every morning. This is great. I haven't done my stretches yet. So she just stretched for a while and I shot. And we got, you know, probably three or four really natural, really beautiful images out of that sequence that was just, it was like the simplest thing in the world. Like, hey, you know, oh, yeah, you do this. Okay, what about doing this? Uh, do you drink coffee? Oh, I love coffee. Hey, could you make a cup of coffee and just drink it for a little bit? And then that's what you, you know what I mean? That's what you shoot. And if that's what you're shooting, well, then that's, people look like that. And, and you know, if they sit in their chair and they throw their arm up and kind of lean their head in their hands or something, one time, if they do it one time on their own, then you can just say like, hey, you know, do that again. Just kind of like, mess with your hair, get comfortable, do whatever, and then you're continuing to talk and have your conversation. But now they're kind of the way they would be anyway. Mm-hmm. And then it looks natural. It's, you know, it's basically, basically as simple as that. It's just not trying to micromanage and not trying to give so detailed instructions that people are just continually thinking about it. You just want to, you know, be general enough and, and do something within someone's comfort zone so that 
when they when they do it, it doesn't feel like they were given any direction. They just kind of you know do their thing. Yeah. Well, my last question that I ask each guest is that I ask them to recommend or suggest another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore, and it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why? Oh, man. Well, I'll tell you, the, the weird thing about my, my probably my favorite photographer, and I'm super embarrassed about this. I'm not totally sure how to say his last name, but I'm, I think it's Arakai. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Japanese photographer. Yeah, the Japanese yeah. photographer. Uh-huh. So Nobuyoshi Arakai. I think his work is fantastic, and it's probably as opposite of my work as you could possibly get. What I like about it is that I really like people that are of the, I don't know if it's the artist mindset or whatever, where they just go do what they want to do, and they just do not care what you think. And to produce work like he produces, you really cannot care what anybody says <laughs> because, you know, if you care what your mom thinks of your work, you're not going to do what, what he does. And I've always been drawn to that stuff. At the same time, I've always been drawn to just like the really classic photographers, like the Edward Westons, the Stieglitz, all, all those people. So I think my work is more reminiscent of theirs, but I, I just, I love him. I, I think he's fantastic and, and interesting and makes things that I would never have thought of and never, uh, you know, just, it just looking at stuff that's the same as your own stuff is, is usually pretty uninspiring because you're just kind of reaffirming what you already know. But looking at a book of his and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe, <laughs> I can't believe what that photograph is of. Um, <laughs> so where can people find out more about all the work that you do? So the... The site that kind of that kind of sh- has an overview of everything is just mattblum.com and uh, b l u m and that has a, that has it's kind of my personal blog it's mostly new project stuff um either stuff that is not yet in the project that we haven't updated the portfolio or it's stuff that isn't going to make it to the project but we still wanted to publish but it's got links to the wedding portrait stuff the the new project obviously and it will have a link to our our corporate and advertising stuff we just have to get that site finalized that's probably the best place otherwise for information about the kickstarter book and obviously to look at the new project work just go to the newproject.com and that's spelled n-u not n-e-w Right. Well, thank you, Matt. I really enjoyed having a chance to, to talk to you, and I'm really glad that I had the opportunity to discover the work. It's. I, I wish you continued success with it. Thank you so much. I appreciate your, your, your invitation to talk. The Candid Frame is supported by donations from people just like you. You can help support the work we do here by visiting the website at thecandidframe.com and contributing using PayPal. You can also support the show by writing a review in the iTunes Music Store or by adding a link to the podcast on your website or blog. The editor for this show is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. Music is by Kevin McLeod, And this is Ibadian X, and this is The Candid Frame. <laughs>